Well, if you're if you are still in 1 Corinthians, just turn one book over to uh, Romans chapter 1. And we'll be dissecting and unpacking Romans 1, uh, verses uh, 16 and 17. You're like, oh my goodness, Pastor, you're going to just take one verse? And uh, we're like, yep, we are, one or two, Lord willing. And so uh, I ask for your forgiveness now. If we don't read all the verses in your notes, that's for you to study through the week. And say, oh yeah, Pastor wasn't just blowing smoke up here. Uh, You can actually fact check me, right? And uh, you know that's pretty uh, important these days, is to fact check. So right now we want to talk about reclaiming our identity. What is the gospel? And we started this. It seemed like a year ago. I think it was just a month. But the gospel belongs to God. And if we, if you've forgotten, but that is so. Radically important, as Paul said in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That preposition there, of, is really important. It's God's gospel. It belongs to him. We cannot change it. We can't say, oh, if we just tweak it a little bit, it'll be better. No, we cannot do that. The second thing we talk about is that the gospel is God's expression of real love. It's his real love shown to us. And when we focus on his love for us, we can't help but be a living testimony of the gospel. But it's amazing. It comes when we spend time rooted and grounded in God's love every day. So we talked about that. This morning we want to talk about communicating the The exclusivity, that's a hard word to say, even for me, exclusivity of the gospel. How do we talk about the gospel? Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the, notice the life, right? The truth, the way, the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, through Christ. How do we communicate that? That is, that is the, you know, the, 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 the points to one thing, and that is Christ. He is the only way to a relationship for eternity with Christ or with God and through Christ. And the thing of that is, is he is the only way to deal with our sin. That's what restores that relationship. So we want to talk about it. People all the time, Pastor, how do I talk to fill in the blank? Coworker, Mormons, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. For me, it's fun. I, I like to, I learned, I was discipled by a guy who would do yard work at the exact same time he knew the Mormons were going to walk down the street. So that's why I'm a little weird. So I, I like, I see Mormons and I'm thinking, this is going to be fun. And, and it's not because I have answers. I have the Word of God. And I love to share it because if I'm sharing the Word of God with them, even if I, don't have, I can't answer every single answer at the moment, I can read the Word of God to them. And all it does is it keeps them from talking to anybody else. <laughs> it works. I invite them over for dinner. I thought my wife was going to die. 
How do you communicate with them? She's like, her first thing, she's like, are you sure this is a good idea? Our kids are young. This is when those three weirdos right there, they were like, I think they were four, six, and ten. They were our, they're our Awana graduates. And, and she goes, what are, I don't, you know, what if they confuse our kids? I said, the Holy Spirit's stronger than that. And she looked at me, he's like, okay. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, the Holy Spirit knows. He'll be in control. He'll take care. God knows. And we invited them to dinner. We fed them. They just said what their name was. And I don't remember which one it said. They just simply said, is that your real name? I was like, wow, how perceptive. Because I never said anything. And they said, well, no. And they're like, well, why don't you have, why don't you share your real name? Well, um, uh, they didn't know what to say. They said another thing, and they said, well, God says, and they quoted a verse from Moana. And they looked like, they, and I never said anything the rest of the night. The kids quoted verses. <laughs> the Mormons didn't say anything either. And so I, as they go out the door, I said, they said, wow, your kids know the Bible. And I was like, yeah, we try. I wish they would live by it more often, but we try. They can quote it. And, uh, and I said, hey, I, we didn't get to talk that much. I'm sorry about that. What a shame. Why don't you come and, and we're going to have dinner over at the church. You can come hang out in my office. We'll eat dinner together. They're like, free food? Okay. <laughs> they came over. It began a relationship over months of just reading scripture. I don't think I've ever argued once. The, the trainer came to the Lord and got booted out. <laughs> And uh, I, I couldn't find him one day, and, and one of the trainees, the under-missionaries, they came and told me and said, oh, he got in trouble because he hung out with you too much. <laughs> How do we share the gospel with our, our culture? How do we do that? If you notice at the top there, on your, and you see on the, on, on the screen, it's communicating that exclusivity of the gospel Let's read these verses. I'm actually going to start in verse 15. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Uh, we're going to look at verse 15 and through 17, and then let's discuss what does God say about this idea of sharing the gospel. Paul says in Romans 1, verse 15, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. Wow, eager to preach the gospel to them in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greeks. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the, just, the righteous shall live by faith. This is a powerful statement. Let's ask God to prepare our hearts to just unpack that and talk about it a little bit this morning. Lord, I just thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give us clear minds to listen and to learn from what you are saying to us this morning. How can we live this way? The way that Paul just described his love for the gospel the way that he described what the gospel is, Lord, I pray that you will infect us with this great desire that Paul had and that we would follow his example. Lord, teach us, I pray, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you notice that the culture, as we talk about these verses, 
You notice that the culture never lands on truth anywhere, right? You ever thought why? Uh, truth is like concrete, right? If you want to set a good, good foundation, you've got to have a solid one, right? But it's solid. It does, you don't want it to move, which is so amazing because the world in which we live wants truth to be fluid and not concrete. But what's interesting about that is what happens when you stand in the sand and the waves come and run up against your legs and your toes, besides going numb, what happens, right? My wife would be like, I'm freezing, get out of here. Me, I stand there and love it. <laughs> but what happens? You sink. How many of you, I, if, the more the waves come in, the more I sink, the more I tend to fall or move or I lose my footing. But that's the world we live in. And we have a gospel that's concrete. So how do you take something so concrete and you share it to a culture where the gospel is, you know, it's not correct. It's not politically correct. It's just not correct, period. Forget about political. I don't know what to say about that. But politics are everywhere, just like truth is today. You know, the best way for me to describe our culture is I, I don't like illustrations that involve TV, but this is, I, don't, I can't think of anything better. And that's the TV show Lost. Have you ever seen that? Um, if you've seen it, uh, I'm sorry. And if you haven't seen it, don't watch it. <laughs> Here's the reason why. I always, I lean over to my wife. Every time we watch that show, I said, I just sat here for an hour, and the TV show said nothing. I didn't learn anything about the story. Nothing. Where did they come from? How did they get there? Yeah, they came, you know, it was like you never learned any ounce of truth from that show. And then when it ended, there was still no truth. It was a show that absolutely told you nothing. So don't watch it. But that's the world we live in. We live in a world where we, there is no truth. But the gospel, what Paul, Paul's great. I want you to notice this in our intro this morning is this. Everything exists in this verse because of this declaration. For I am not ashamed. Paul is saying, I am not ashamed. That is his declaration. How do we share the gospel to that kind of generation to this world in which we live in that is living over this loop of a TV show that goes nowhere. How do we present the truth? We live not ashamed. We live this declaration, I am not ashamed. Um, I don't know if you can see it up there, because I can't see it up there. But it, So I'll look at over here. <laughs> That's why I have notes. I am not ashamed. That means he, Paul is saying, I am not embarrassed or guilty because of my actions or the characteristics of my life or my association with Christ. I'm not embarrassed. I don't feel guilty. I am not sorry, sheepish, guilty, conscience-stricken, guilt-ridden, guilt contrite, or, yeah, contrite, remorseful, regretful, apologetic, embarrassed, mortified. 
We should mortify our sins, but why do we mortify the gospel? That's, for those of you that don't know that word, it's put to death. I'm not red-faced, chagrined, humiliated, uncomfortable, discomforted, distressed, in sackcloth and ashes, with one's tail between one's legs, blushing to share the gospel. That's his declaration. I am not ashamed. Folks, that's how we share the gospel, is living a life that's unashamed. I like that. I mean, think about Paul, where he was going, and going to Rome when he wrote this. Rome was like the worst possible place to go to be a Christian and to share the gospel. All you have to do is think about Nero. Go back to your history lessons. That's where Paul was going. What was he thinking? He was thinking that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He says, for I'm not ashamed. It's because of his eagerness to preach or to share that gospel, that message. Um, Think about it. This is the same type of declaration that Caleb had when he went in as a spy into the land. And he said there, it's like, it's good. What all the Lord said is true. But all the other ones said, no, there's giants in the land. So what did Caleb do? When he got back into the land after 40 years, when he was 80 plus years old, probably 85. You know, some of us know that. I don't know what that's like. But at 85, he's like, give me the mountain. Not just give me the giants. He took the place that had all the giants. He knew and trusted God's message. Warren Wiersbe talks about this message of the gospel. He he gives this personal illustration of why Paul was not ashamed. Warren Wiersbe says, During my years in high school, I was chosen to be an office monitor. That would be a good and bad job. You know, it's fun because you have ultimate freedom. It'd be bad because nobody likes you, because you're tattling on everybody. But he, he was chosen to be an office monitor. He said the, the other hall monitors sat at various stations around the building, but I was privileged to sit right outside the door of the main high school office. I was entrusted with, the, with important messages that I had to deliver to different teachers and staff members, and on occasion, even other schools. That'd be interesting. Whether he got to drive, or I don't know how old he was, if he rode a horse, or I definitely wasn't skateboarding, but he was going to another school. Believe me, it was fun, he says, to walk into the classroom, and I got to interrupt the lesson. No, the teacher didn't scold me, because all of them knew I carried messages from the principal. I never had to be afraid or ashamed, because I knew where my message came from. You know, that's, that's both a neat story and it's very convicting when we think about the gospel. We know where the message came from. It comes from the Lord, the creator of the universe, the one who controls all things. It belongs to God, right? It is God's love for us in which he's loved us. It is the most amazing message ever. 
We should never be ashamed of the gospel. We should never worry whether we know anything else. You can always read the Bible. It's what I do. If I don't know how to answer a question, just read. Sometimes the answer presents itself through the power of the Holy Spirit. The message is easy. It's simple. It is the good news that we cannot pay for our sins, but Jesus, praise the Lord, died. God came to earth. He died for our sins. He paid for our sins. All we have to do is surrender our life to him, and, and we get to respond to his gift. We get to respond to the gospel, the good news that he died to pay for our sins. And we then, empty-handed, we don't bring anything to the gospel. We don't bring anything to that. We just say, here I am, Lord. I surrender to you. And he saves us. He saves us. The gospel is so amazing. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, we preach Christ crucified. We don't think about the cross as something that's so horrific. But that's what we preach him crucified. That was a horrible thing that happened. But it was for a love that he was willing to do for us. We have no reason to stammer, shudder, hesitate, apologize. There is nothing in the gospel for which we have any cause to be ashamed. Nothing. He, Paul goes on to say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for. That word for introduces the reason why we boldly can present the gospel. And it fits our culture. God's word is so amazing. It fits our culture. Five reasons, that's what we're going to look at. There's five things, believe it or not, grammatically from this text that explains it. The first one, the five reasons why we, cannot, we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel it is the saving power. The gospel is the saving power under salvation. Because of the saving power of the gospel, the gospel is powerful. It is the power. As we look at what is the gospel, it is the power of God. The problem is, is we don't unleash that power. We don't, and, and, and Paul is saying, you're looking, it is for it is the power of God, and because of that, I am not ashamed. That word power, he's literally, Paul understands how much power is unleashed through the gospel. That word power, you know, in the Greek, you know, it doesn't, have, it doesn't even sound like the way Helen would pronounce it. But in the, in the old Greek that nobody speaks anymore, it says dunamis. It's the word we word, get dynamite. How many of you hold on to dynamite? Wouldn't recommend it, would you? What would it do? Yeah. It, blo it blows things up, but that's what Paul is saying. The gospel, it is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of salvation. It is the one that blows people's lives up. It, in the process, destroying the sin and remaking them into a child of God. That is an amazing power. I don't know about you, but I like to blow things up. I've never put something back together better after I've blown it up. It just doesn't happen. I've tried. I, I, built, a, I built a dresser once. 
And I'm picky. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, a little OCD. And so I said, there's a mistake. So I tore it apart. Oh, I'll make it, I'll make it better. She's shaking her head. It became shelves. It became kindling. It became a fire starter. <laughs> and I, 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 I blew it up, and nothing happened. But the gospel blows people's lives up and recreates a child of God. Man. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are not powerful, but the gospel is. You say, well, how can we revitalize the church? How can we, how can we have revival? How can we change our community? It's only through the gospel. You can light off a stick of dynamite every day. Share the gospel. Watch what happens. Things will begin to motor on. Salvation, it's the power for salvation to be saved from God's wrath, His judgment on our sins. There are so many people today living under judgment and guilt and shame. They're depressed. They don't know what truth is. They run from truth. And yet we had the answer to pull them back into a sure foundation that is powerful to reconstruct their lives with a purpose. When we go and say, I, I don't know if I can share the gospel, I, I just. When we look at our culture and we get afraid of our culture, we cut the power of the gospel. We cut the power. We, we start lighting duds. You know, the ones that go. You know, the fireworks that, you, you know, you expect this great explosion, it goes. You start, every time you look, I think, I don't think I can share the gospel. He might not like me. You know, oh, that's a Mormon. I don't think I have answers for him. I can't share the gospel. We just become duds. We cut. We cut all the power out of our life. It's, it's, it's amazing. So the saving power of the gospel, which leads, Paul leads in this statement. He says, for... It is, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This is amazing, guys. Why should we be unashamed of the gospel? Why should we release the gospel? Because it is the free, it is the free offer of the gospel that makes it so amazing. The gospel doesn't rely on my life. The gospel doesn't rely on anybody's life. The gospel solely is reliant on Christ. It fully rests on Christ. I, I, I surrender my life to Him and He gives me life. I die to myself and He gives me life and He gives me a powerful life. A life with freedom from the, the shame and guilt of this life in this world. It's a free offer. We don't go up to God and say, well, here, I've, I've, got, I've got a good job and, and I, I haven't divorced my wife yet. Here you go, God. Oh, that looks wonderful, Kyle. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll, maybe I'll save you. No. We just say, Lord, here I am, ugly and all. I, I, just, I can't do anything right, Lord. And he says, I died for you to pay for your sin. What makes the gospel so powerful is it's a free offer. Where in the world is anything free in this world? Why should we not be ashamed of the gospel? Because it's free. We should share it freely. Romans 5 talks about that really well. We have what the world truly needs, a free payment for their guilt. It is, there is no other message like it in the world. The other reason why not to be ashamed of the gospel, it is the perfect, because of the perfect equality of the gospel. Think about this. Did you know there are no races, there are just humans. We were all created by God, every one of us. Some just look better than others. No. <laughs> no, we were all created by God. We were created to be the way we are. Some with hair, some with no hair. Some with gray hair, some with dark hair. I'm trying to do both, no hair and gray hair. <laughs> but we're all created by God. It wasn't a surprise to God when there were different colors. It wasn't a surprise to God when there were different sizes, some giants and some, you know, not so giant. And, you know, there, it wasn't a surprise to God. Think about that. Where in the world? They, they talk about equality in our world, but where do we see it? We see it in the gospel. There is no equality. The gospel is the only true tolerant message. Come to Christ and he'll fix everything. You don't need to be a certain way for the gospel to take effect. The gospel is powerful. You don't need to be rich to, to understand the gospel. You don't need to be poor to understand the gospel, although it usually helps when they're poor. <laughs> they're like, yes, I need the Lord. Uh, but we don't have to look a certain way to respond to the gospel. I love what it says in the verses we read earlier in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, but we preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Jews, and it's folly to the Gentiles. Guess what? That just covered the whole world. The Jews fumbled with it, and the rest of the world thinks it's folly. We preach Christ. I like in Ephesians 3, it talks about a mystery. You know, the angels, they were like, man, how is God going to do this great mystery? They didn't even know. It was the gospel that he revealed to us. The other reason why we shouldn't be ashamed, Paul is saying here, not only because it's for everyone and it's to the Jews first and also to the Greeks, but it says, for it is the righteousness of God. It is the righteousness of God, for it is. Why is he not ashamed? Because the reason not to be ashamed is because of the perfect provision of the gospel. It's God's righteousness for our sin. There's only one way to be saved, is we need God's righteousness. And it came through Christ. We received it through Christ. What Man, are you getting the idea? This fits our world. 
We need answers. It is Christ. We need God's righteousness for our salvation. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's the verses in the bulletin, but it says, For our sake, God made Christ to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, that is the perfect provision. When we don't know, the gospel is the perfect provision for every situation you're going to encounter in the world. You see in how powerful the gospel really is? I love Colossians 3. It's one that we use during baptism a lot. But it talks about when we were dead in our trespass, that God made us alive together with him. Wow. It's, guys, we need to stop and think about how amazing that is, what God has did to transform this dirty life, this filthy rag, into a child of God. It's just amazing to think about what the gospel has done for my life. It gets us to the last thing here, and that is the continual lifestyle of the gospel. You know the Energizer Bunny? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a few of those here in the church, right? It just, <laughs> I can't believe it. It's like, wow. It, the gospel is the only thing that starts our life and continues to perfect our life and never runs out. And when it does finally run out, we're with God in glory. Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work in you will, will. So hear that? Will? It's not might. I like that. Might, not so good. Will. He who began a good work in you will continue to perform it till the day of Christ. That's pretty amazing. God didn't save you and then say, you're done. I saved you. I'm not going to keep working on you. He will continue to perfect us. He will continue to be there to work in us. The gospel doesn't stop when you get saved. It's an everyday thing. It's a, the power source for your life in this world of uncertainty. What is the gospel? It is the power source that jump-started your life, that gave you life, and that continues to power your life. That's what powers the church is the gospel. It's a journey, or it's a race, Paul said in Hebrews 12. Literally, in the text here, it says, for it's the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the righteous shall live by faith. From faith, from the start, unto faith, continual, it's a continual action of living in faith. The powerful gospel will be the, is amazing. The gospel is amazing, guys. Don't underestimate the gospel. You say, well, how do I share the gospel with this crazy world that doesn't like exclusivity, doesn't like truth? Share it. Because when we start wondering if we can, then we become ashamed of it. Why would we become ashamed of the most powerful thing that we will ever know, ever? There's nothing more powerful. The gospel is 
You say, well, what is the gospel? It is the power of God for the church. This is the thing as we, as we pray and as we finish. Will you allow the culture to minimize the power that is meant to be unleashed? God is meant for you to unleash the, the power of the gospel, all of us, together, as one army. Together is not so bad. One-on-one -on -one is a little more difficult. But that's a statement. Will we? I can't help but think, you know, today is Palm Sunday for the rest of the world. They think about Hosanna, Hosanna. They were throwing palms, laying it at Christ's feet, and they were shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Right? And they're throwing all these palms, and they're throwing all this stuff at, as Jesus rides on a donkey. Right? And the very next week, what's happening? Crucify him. I can't help but wonder, as I was thinking about Palm Sunday, am I living that same life? Do I come to church on Sunday praising God, saying how great God is, and the rest of the week I'm just like, I don't want anything to do with Christ during the week. I can't help but ask that question of myself. Will you allow the culture to, to destroy that power that God meant for you to unleash? Will you determine right now, whoever God brings across your path, that you will share God's great and powerful message? God will give you an opportunity. I met a welder yesterday. I asked, he was crushed by, or he was, he was, he got hit by two cars. He says, I don't understand. I should, I, I should have been, he didn't break a bone. He's, he's a little out of kilter. That's it. I'm like, you're, you're kidding me. You got, and he, he, he said, yeah, the door literally conformed around me. He says, it looks like an imprint of me in the door. And I'm like, isn't God awesome? I said, God saves. And he looked at me and he just kind of like, huh. I just kind of sat there and I let him respond to that. And it opened up more questions. I don't know where it's going to go, but he said he'd help teach me to, to weld. <laughs> Why? So I can share the gospel. And I can learn to weld. <laughs> God is so good. I get blessed twice. That's the question, though. What are you doing with the gospel? Is it living powerfully through your life?